0: There is a segment of society who holds that those who do evil should not have to face the consequences of their actions. The belief is that evil should never be resisted with force. It can be conquered with compromise and talk. This viewpoint fails to read all of the Bible. It especially fails to discern what Jesus Christ will do at the end of history. Jesus is not only the visible expression of divine love, He also reveals divine justice. In our past several encounters, we have been exploring Revelation chapter 6 and the powerful vision John the Apostle received of the wrath of the Lamb, a judgment Jesus Christ will execute against all those who reject Him. Let's join our study leader, Dave Wurtson, as he talks about how world leaders will respond as the vice grip of divine justice begins to call the world to account.
1: What the book of Revelation is about, it's about the wrath of the Lamb. And what it's saying that the wrath of the Lamb, as the Revelation moves towards its climax, and we're going to have this as we move towards the climax of the trumpets, as we move towards the climax of the bold judgments, every single time we're going to end with a powerful manifestation of the person of God. And he's going to do it through the forces of his creation. And the one that stilled the storm in the Sea of Galilee, this time is going to generate the storm. And the whole world is going to be rocking and rolling and shaking. And the issue is, how will people respond to that? At the end of time, the whole issue of eternity will depend upon how will people respond to that? Well, let's look at how the rulers of the world, all the way down to the poorest people, respond to this tremendous manifestation of the judgment of God. Look what it says in verse 19. It says, then the kings of the earth, those are the chief hanchas, the head of Russia, the head of England, the head of the NATO forces, the kings of the earth, the, the movers and shakers politically, the kings of the earth are involved here, the princes Those are their diplomats. Those are their underlings. Those are their lieutenants. So you have the rulers, the presidents, the kings, all the top political officials and their underlings. Then you have the military people. It says the generals, and it's a word that's used in the Roman language of those that are over a thousand legionnaires, over a thousand troops. So we have the political leaders, the military leaders, the rich. All of you are going to go to work this week for the rich. Or you're gonna be influenced by the rich. You've all had discussions about the rich. And there's a desire towards the rich and an envy of the rich. There's some of us here that are from poorer backgrounds and so we have been raised with the idea that the rich are always rooking us. And the rich are the source of all evil. And the rich are the ones that manipulate things. And we need to rise up and if we can only take control, we can get peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And we envy the rich and we hate the rich. But the book of Revelations tells us there's going to come a day when the presidents, all those are ruling nations, all the military leaders, all the big capital magnates, all the great big guys and all those people that we think rule the world that says they're going to be involved in this. And then it goes down to mighty. You know, some people aren't rich, but they hold a lot of influence, a lot of power in a culture. And then it talks about every slave and every free man. Those are the peons, most of us. So we go from the most powerful elites to the poorest people. We're using a language that means everybody on planet Earth. What are they going to do? It says, every free man, they'll hide themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountain of the rock and said, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits in the throne and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? You know, that's a part of, I bet you very few of you have heard many messages about the wrath of the Lamb, right? You see, in the American church today, you know, what we want to do, to be honest with you, like, as we try to evaluate as pastors, what we try to do is evaluate what's going to make you come on Sunday morning. What's going to make you, you know, have a good, warm time. What's going to help to meet your need. And the last thing in the world we want to do is to teach you a book like Revelation that's going to tell you about the wrath of the Lamb. Because in our society that we have an idea that sure bad things happen. Students get killed in Columbine. President Clinton has a moral affairs and, and is and all over the nation it produces a terrible shame, but we believe that nobody should ever have to pay for it. Dave Larry's on a jury down in Waxahachie. It's a drunk driver. And it's obvious the drunk driver has been accused of this over and over and over again. But when it comes to the jury's deliberation, the jury deliberates, and they're saying, I've driven drunk. How's the person going to get to work? This poor person, what is it going to do to take their license away? Because they've already done the negative thing that's already, you know, the person that, that, they, that they hurt or the person that, was, that there, had their property destroyed, they've already had that happen. Why should we make more bad things happen? Let's let the person go free. And Dave Lowry says, now wait a minute. I thought the law says there was not to drive drunk. If you drive drunk, the law says that this is the consequence that was totally ignored. Why? Because that's where our culture is. And that's where a lot of us are. It's where I am. It's where you are. It's a very strong part of our life in America today. We have the idea that there's no responsibility. And that's why we know nothing about the wrath of the Lamb. Now I want you to stop and think of this weird expression, the wrath of the Lamb. In other words, if I wanted to describe playing for the Dallas Stars and, and right in the middle of the game, one of the, one of the Buffalo team just smashes him into the glass, I mean, just, just hits him you know, with his elbow right in the throat, right underneath the helmet, and just totally knocks the wind out of him, and he goes down in a crumpled heap. And he gets up, man, and he's breathing fire. And and what am I going to say? He played the rest of the game like an angry tiger. Like an angry lion. You could even use like an angry African water buffalo. But the one thing you're not going to say is, man, he's played the rest of the game like an angry lamb. That's stupid. And that's what makes John's metaphor so powerful. The title of Jesus... The Lamb. And I want you to know, Jesus today is your Lamb. He's your Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We started out this book with John adoring this Lamb and worshiping before Him and seeing Him in heavenly glory. We started out this book with Him going through the seven churches and Him evaluating those seven churches. And we saw Him giving comfort like to a church that was undergoing suffering and persecution. We have the Lamb of God moving among us, the Blessed Lamb, the sweet Lamb that, that gives eternal life to children and, and, and has died on the cross for our sins and He rose again. How many of you believe in that Lamb? Sure you do. The book of Revelation is very strong. It says, how are you going to overcome? As we go through the rest of the book of Revelation, you're going to have like those tribulation saints that were martyred under the altar. We're going to get into the next few chapters, even the next chapter in 7, and then again in 11, it's going to say, how did they overcome it? We're going to see this gigantic throng of people, millions of people, It's a, and, and John will ask the question, how can they be in heaven? And all of heaven will respond. They are exalted in heaven. They are clothed in white. They are arrayed in the likeness of God forever and ever. And John will say, well, how can it ever be? It says they overcame by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. All the way through the book of Revelation, John's going to tell us they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. What does he mean by that? Jesus is the Lamb because he was sacrificed. Jesus was the Lamb because he gently took our place, and he didn't open his mouth. On Mount Calvary, just like at Mount Sinai, there was an earthquake. Remember that? Remember at Mount Calvary that everything became dark? The sun turned to black as goat's hair. The sky rolled up like a scroll. The whole city of Jerusalem shook. There was an earthquake. And if you need any scientific help with that, i got news for you. If you ever go to Israel, there are faults running every which way you can imagine. In the city of Jerusalem, when you do archaeology in Jerusalem, you see one manifestation of earthquakes after another. Man, the earth shakes, and they demolish the city of Jerusalem. They build another city on that rubble. It shakes again. So you don't need a lot of proof that there might have been an earthquake when Jesus was crucified. Because the scripture of Matthew tells us that the earth shook. Why was that happening? Because we've learned from the Old Testament that, that the earthquake, the thunder, the lightning, the darkening of the sun, and the moon turning to blood is evidence that God has invaded to judge the sinfulness of his people. And Mount Calvary is the cataclysmic judgment of God poured out on his son. And his son did that for you. Remember when Jesus shouted out? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would God the Father ever turn his back on his son? Why would the light of light allow his son to be clothed in darkness? Because he loved you. Because he knew that sin really is sin. He knew that when you're immoral, when you lie, when you cheat, when you act in pride, when you do the wrong thing, somebody has to pay. It's written in the eternal character of God that there's holiness and there's justice and there's going to be a payment. And on Mount Calvary, all of this apocalyptic judgment of God was poured out against his son, the Lamb of God, who sacrificed himself for you. And if you respond to that judgment of God against his son, and you respond and say, God, I don't understand everything about it, but man, I am just so thankful. I just can't understand why you did it. But thank you that you took all of my darkness, all of my rebellion, and you put it upon your son. Thank you, God. If you've done that, then you overcome through the blood of the lamb. But let's suppose that you ignore it. Let's suppose that you say, I'd rather do it myself. I think it's stupid that that an eternal God in heaven would give a son. Why don't you make A person pay for what they do. I'm going to take my own risk. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to try to live my own life. I don't even believe in all this God stuff, all this Jesus stuff. I'm going to ignore the fact that Jesus is the biggest character of all of human history. I'm just going to live my life. I like caring about the forest. I really like just living for things. I want to go out and get a house. I want to plant grass. I want to grow trees. I'm just going to live for now. And I'm going to ignore the Son of God. What's going to happen then? Well, your life's going to go rocking on. And you're going to have nice sunny days, but I guarantee it, because I've been doing this a long time, I guarantee there's going to come a day when you're going to have to call the pastor. It happens every time. I've had people cuss me out on soccer fields. I've had people ignore me in the grocery store. I've had people get angry at me in a million different ways because they just weren't into this Jesus thing. But suddenly someone's in intensive care. And suddenly, someone is in an accident. And suddenly, you had to pick up the telephone call because we all have to do business with the Lamb of God. Now, when the storm comes, how do you react? Look how these people react. You know how they react? It says, they said, let the mountains fall on us. You know what they're saying? That we're going to commit suicide. We want our life to end. This is very serious. Every one of you in this room is going to face the earthquakes. Not the earthquakes of the tribulation period. Praise God for that. But I think we can debate so much about what Revelation is talking about that we forget some really major truths about the personality of God and about our lives and about where we live. And that's what grieves me. We, I, even debating this in seminary, we can debate about all the details of this and we can miss the heartbeat of what's going on. You know what this text is saying? We have one group of human beings that were underneath the altar of God. They lost their life for their commitment to the Lamb of God. And they are clothed in white in the previous verses. And they are rewarded forever and ever. They say, God, how long will it be before you deal with those who dealt unjustly with us? And God and Father says, son, daughter, I can handle it. There's going to be justice. I'm giving a little bit more time. There's going to be more of your brothers and sisters that get destroyed. But give me time. In the end, there will be justice. Other portions of Scripture say that God is not willing that any should perish. And during the tribulation period, you're going to even have God delaying during the tribulation period, giving time for, in the next chapter, we're going to have witnesses that go forth into all the world, trying to reach people with the good news. He, he's even going to send angels during the tribulation period that, that communicate the gospels in a way that's never been communicated before on earth. But how are people going to respond? They say, let the, let the hills fall on us. Let the mountains hide us, because who can stand from the wrath of the Lamb? You know what they are? You know what they're saying? They're saying, God, I know you're mighty. I know you're strong. But I'm going to still put my fist in your face, and I'm going to say, I hate you. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Now, that's hard. That's hard. That's a hard heart. As we face the earthquakes of life, the times when the sky falls in, You either open your hand and say, God, things aren't the way they ought to be yet. You haven't totally made your will take place on planet Earth. The Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on Earth as it is in Heaven, has not yet come to fruition yet. But I'm going to live with an open hand and trust you. My hand is open because I want you to grab a hold of my hand and we're going to go through the intensive care ward and God, I'm going to get angry And I'm going to hate disease. I'm going to hate what it does to my loved ones. I'm going to hate the aging process. I'm going to hate cancer. I'm going to hate all that stuff. But I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust your justice that one day you'll make it right. Most of all, I'm going to trust that your son experienced much worse than an intensive care ward He experienced much worse than finding out that one of his loved ones had just died. Because he was the spotless, innocent lamb of God. And his eternal relationship with you was broken because he became sin for us. He knew an alienation that nobody on planet earth will ever, ever know. Except those that experience hell forever. And I'm going to say, God, rather than getting angry at you and rebelling against you and putting my fist in your face. I'm going to realize that you're with me in the midst of this trial and i'm going to commit the question of justice to you and i'm going to keep depending upon you but there's going to be another group and maybe some of you will be in that group your life's going to become like flint your life's going to become like a like a sheet of steel and you're going to get angry as i've dealt in the office with people i've had people just say i want the mountains to fall on me i just want to die i can't handle life anymore I think God is a, if there is a God, he must be demonic. I don't like what he does. I don't, I, I don't like what the way the world is. I don't like the way my family is. I don't like the way my life is. And I'm just, I just am angry. And they're just like these people at the end of time. It's what human beings can do. How stupid could you get? Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and you ignore him. But you know, if you ignore the forgiveness of the Lamb, What's left? You ever stop and think about that? If you ignore the forgiveness of the lamb, what else is left? The wrath of the lamb. And that's why John's symbol is so tragic. It's, it's a beautiful, powerful expression of he's, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He's the standing lamb that was wounded for us. But as his enemies continue to harden their heart against him, as they reject him, as they harden themselves like flint and they won't respond to him, then Jesus becomes the angry lamb. And I got news for you. When this lamb gets angry, there's not a lion on earth that can stand against him. And that's what the book of Revelation is saying. It's saying that every time we see those great big thunderstorms come in, we need to realize the Lord's proclaiming to us. There's going to come an ultimate divine storm. There's going to come an ultimate cataclysmic end. When all the things that we think can't move, the mountains that we think can't move, they're going to move. The islands that we think, the beautiful Hawaiian islands that we think can't move, they're going to move. All the sky that we think, the stars and everything that just keeps going forever and ever and ever. All the things we think that are stable and sound and will be here forever and ever and ever. And all the people are saying, man, we're to preserving the earth because, man, we've got to preserve the earth for, for eons upon eons of time. Yeah, we need to take care of God's earth because it's part of God's good creation. But you never worship Mother Earth. Because there's going to come a day when the Father of the earth says this present planet has become too polluted with sin and I'm going to dissolve it and I'm going to destroy it And I'm going to purge away sin by the power of my justice. And then I'm going to create a new heaven and new earth. I want to ask you, what earth are you living for? What destiny are you living for? What destiny are you looking forward to? It's really serious stuff. As I live this past week, to be honest with you, I want nice sunny days. And when I'm driving to the next intensive care ward, I say, God, I don't need this. I want there to be babies born. I want people to stop changing. I want their bodies to stop growing old. I want disease to stop hitting teenagers and middle-aged people and old people. I just don't want the mess. And I can say, God, I think you're giving me a raw deal. I thought, you know, you you would be kind to your people. You would be good to your people. And God puts his arm around me and says, Dave, you live on a planet. Where my will, my heart's not perfectly being done yet. And I've allowed a lot of crisis things, a lot of catastrophes to take place. Because right now is the time for the forgiveness of the Lamb. For people to be able to come to the Lamb before they've been forced to bow before the Lamb. Now at a time where they can come willingly to the Lamb and they can be wooed to myself and they can fall in love with Jesus and they can invite Jesus into your heart. And that's what I want you to be about. In the intensive care word. I want you to bring the presence of Jesus, the healing, powerful, forgiving, eternal life-giving presence of Jesus. And he'll weep with people, and he'll meet people's needs. And, you, and, and you're going to find, even in the midst of the crises, it becomes like a megaphone, like C.S. Lewis said, that, that's preaching that we're not home yet, that, that you're not living in reality, that things aren't the way that they ought to be. So David, please help people not to harden in anger against the Lamb, but help them to bow in humble submission to the Lamb. Joel's prophecy closes. Joel preaches just like John preaches. But Joel closes by saying, my people's hearts can turn around. My people's hearts can become soft again. My people's hearts can melt like wax. And then they can respond to me as they did at the beginning when they first knew me. That I want to pray whether members of my family are martyred like we had in the previous seal, that rather than getting angry with God, I'll cry with God and I'll also trust that eventually in heaven's temple he'll clothe us in white. And I want to pray with all my heart that I'll try to reach out to some of these people that are going to harden themselves during the tribulation period. The longer that I live the more that I realize how stupid it is but how real it is that as people live their life they do become hard. To me like as I see someone moving into their 60s and Sometimes they're late 80s. To me, one of the stupidest things in the world. Why not open your heart to the Son of God? Why not trust Him? But I'll have someone that I tried to reach at 60, and they were in love with their stocks and bonds. They were in love with their CDs. When I try to talk to them at 84, they're still talking to me about their CDs. And I'm sitting there going, Who cares? Who cares? But it's the way human nature is. And all I would share with you today, as I'm speaking to you, only the Spirit of God can whisper in your heart, can speak tenderly to your heart. Only the Spirit of God can teach you about the forgiveness of the Lamb. Are you listening? Do you respond to that tender voice? If you abandon the forgiveness of the Lamb, there's nothing left than the pure, holy, righteous vindication of God's judgment, the Lamb's judgment against sin. Father, I just ask you that you would help us to ask ourselves, how do we respond when the the sky caves in? Lord, this is a very real thing for us. We're going to go out among people this week that are bitter because the sky has fallen in on them. And they feel that they could do a much better job of running the universe if you'd only let them take over the controls. And I'd ask you, Lord, that you would help us as we see with clarity, as, as we move towards the end of time in the book of Revelation, things just really get down to brass tacks. And there's a, there's a real clear division between those that believe in the Lamb of God as their Savior and those that reject that Lamb and harden themselves and become his enemies. I thank you, Lord, for the, this, the confidence that this chapter gives us that you've already been able to open up this book of destiny and tell us that you're very strong. And you can deal with rebellion. You can deal with those that shake their fist against you. I'd ask you, Lord, that you would balance our understanding of the Lamb of God, that we would understand how gentle he is, that we would understand how forgiveness he is, how warm he is in relationship towards us. But, Lord, help us also to realize that he has moral integrity His character is totally constant. He is holy. And he will not allow someone to eternally shake their fist in his face. I thank you, Lord, for the wonder of the fact that you're so mighty. I thank you for this incredible fact that you've chosen now to not shake us senseless and drive us to our knees. I thank you that instead you come quietly and gently And you tell us your love story and tell us what you've done on the cross. I pray that you would make clear how serious our sin is. That our sin and the judgment that it demands is what Revelation is talking about. But that Revelation is also saying that the judgment, your judgment, was poured out at another place. Not just at the end of time, but it was poured out on Calvary. And I'd ask you, Lord, that all of us would come to Mount Calvary. So we won't have to live in fear when the mountains shake. And the islands disappear. Because we will know that the whole universe can disappear. But our precious Savior will still be alive. And he's going to prepare a home for us that will never be shaken. Will never be destroyed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.